you know, there's a there's a view in sort of this thing called non-duality, which is, it isn't a thing. Really. Non-duality is a negation. It says it's not two. Yeah, the two is is what's not real. The dualistic expression. So there does, you don't need to define. You don't need to uh, a claim that something else is real. All you got to do is question the reality of what's not real. When the when the like the. Uh, the format of duality is questioned, and there's a hint that it's not real, that's the reality. Yeah? You know what I mean? It's the seeing of what's not so, that's what's so. You're never going to see what's so. Because you are what's so. You are seeing from there. But our, some of our seeing has been diluted into a form of looking called self-centeredness. So the mental process is in a system called self-centeredness. And so some, you'll come to meetings and some people will say there is no person. But when you hear it, you hear it as a person, you know, in a way. You're feeling there's a you know, individual, long-lasting separate entity called David or Deb. So you hear that there isn't a person. So it's sort of like the old thing of you're a lion, you know. And that's a very clear idea, like you're a lion. But here comes the message, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion, and you're like in agreement with it. And then you hear it with the sheep's ears, in a sense, and then it gets translated into, I can become like a lion. So, the idea that you're not a person, when when heard by the seeming person, for me, doesn't work. So, it's just a question, what's causing uh, causing me to feel like I'm a person? See if that's real. And if that isn't real, then that's... Yeah, that's the quote-unquote non-person. So it's more of a negation of something. So it's a negation of a person. It isn't an affirmation that there is no person, in my view. It doesn't work well, for me anyway. Yeah. So I don't say, I'm not a person, you know. I'm not Paul when there's the feeling and all the thought system is refer- inferring that there's a Paul. And I'm totally, it's like if someone calls me up and they're, uh, I can tell by their question, in a sense, where their mind's at. So someone will say, I, you know, and it's obvious that there's a, there's a sense that there's someone doing something. It's pointless to say that there's no one doing that. It's just to see, okay, well, then you're on a level of your house is on fire, you better find the pail of water, yeah? Because it, it, you're not going to sit in the house when it's burning, and it, the philosophy that there is no house and there's no fire isn't really going to work in the level of experience. You're going to get burnt like Chris, you know? <laughs> so the whole idea is that the whole idea that there isn't a person for me doesn't work. The whole idea, are you a person, is better, yeah? So I question who, how, what is causing me to have this feeling? Is this feeling of being Paul produced? Or it just, or did, or was it all seemingly always here from the from the inception of Paul? Yeah, and so obviously even the research says there hasn't been that feeling of Paul until about eighteen months. Yeah, so when you were born, the my the the baby, like we saw a kid at that coffee shop the other day, his eyes were so he was just. It wasn't him, obviously. Just awakeness pouring out of this kid's eyes. And, and, they, and the color was incredible. It's like blue. There's the father. And then this kid is like a little like lighthouse he had on his thing. <laughs> and everyone who saw him, you'd get a hit. You know, whoa. You know what I mean? That, so there wasn't Paul or Steve hadn't set up yet. The idea of being a Paul. You know, or a Steve or a Mary. It takes about, they say, around 18 months for the brain to put Deuce the sense of a self. And it's weird, some research it says that it coincides with the language center really firing. So when you start learning the language, the sense of being a, a one becomes reinforced. Yeah? So our whole language is like a transcending language. And the thoughts are cast into language form. Yeah? Don't they? It's almost like sound like you're saying something or something saying something. So they're in a language. So in a way, you don't even see the thoughts, you hear the thoughts. Yeah? That language is a language of, it's like a, it's a, a, it's a language of being the subject used by objects. So this is an object, but it's taking itself to be a subject. Yeah? Now, if there's 70,000 thoughts a day, and you're hearing those thoughts in, under that assumption, that assumption is probably going to be pretty uh, strong. Yeah? If someone said, you are that, you are that, you are that, you are that 70,000 times, or inferred it, or implied it, or assumed it, yeah, or just kept pointing, 
after you would probably fall for it that, hey, I am that, which those things are pointing at. Yeah? But what I saw is that this system, I like to call it selfing, all it can do is point. It can't make a self. It can't create a self. Yeah? That's, you know, you find out. I'm not, you know, don't believe me, but I would look into it if I were you, if you, if you have any desire to travel lighter here. <laughs> so, it's, the thought system is inferring that there's a fall, and the first inference no one even sees usually anymore is that I'm the thinker. You don't even get that, but that's one of the first leaps. So, there's all these pointing, I'm the thinker, yeah, all these thoughts are about me. The thoughts are about a you, but all the thoughts can do is point. The mind makes the leap, yeah? The mind, not your mind, the mind. The mind makes the leap from the inference to what's being inferred. So the thought process can only infer or assume or imply that there's a self. The mind makes the leap, and when the mind makes the leap, you have a feeling. It's not a thought anymore. It's a thought wrapped with a feeling. There's a feeling of being a self. So when an action happens through this, you feel like you are doing it, yeah? There's a feeling. It's tactile. You sense, I'm the one who did it. That's why guilt and shame has such an easy place to rest. There's this huge branch of feeling like I'm the doer, so all guilt and shame can rest there and just fester there and grow and mutate on that one branch. It's very difficult. Even in recovery, when you do your whole inventory and you make your amends, the feeling of being the one who did that stuff is still being produced. Yeah, It's not inherently there. It's being produced. So there's certain uh, qualifications. So we're not going to go, okay, we're going to throw this idea that you're not a person into this. I found that people just, now now they want to be a (laughs) non-self. They still have the feeling of being a someone, but now they want to have the feeling of not being a someone. But they want to have that feeling of not being a a someone as that someone they take themselves to be. So they want to have an experience of their own absence. (laughs) As if that's like the ultimate advantage. I'll finally get an advantage here that works. I won't be me. (laughs) As me. (laughs) So you can see there's a fundamental flaw in that I can anyway, you know. So we're going to go question... All right, so what would happen if I held the idea that I'm not the thinker? You know, just threw it in there, threw it into the system, the thought system. And for me, it was a pretty easy leap because I went to, this was my experience, I went to recovery. I didn't know that I had been, I'd been living in this thick shell of terminal uniqueness because I wasn't really talking to much, many people about things except shooting coke and running around and music and stuff. I wasn't really having any heart-to-hearts. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of mind-to-minds, but no many, not too many heart-to-heart conversations out there. I really wasn't. So I was quite alone even when I was hanging out with people. You know, everyone would be shooting the coke in their little seats and I'd be shooting the coke. And, and we feel like we were together, but really... There was no really not, no togetherness there. So I came into recovery and I was sitting there and I was listening to people share. And after a while, I realized, geez. And what people? What do people share? They share their thought, their thoughts, right? Their feelings and their reactions to life. That's basically you could, those three categories are probably every, will cover everything that we say. So my thoughts, my feelings about things, and my reactions to life and things. And then I would listen, and I could come only to two conclusions. How did you get my thoughts? You know what I mean? That was very surprising, especially when I went to India and stuff. And the alcoholics at those meetings, had, they had the same thoughts I had, basically, just clothed in an Indian culture, you know what I mean? So how did they get these? How did they get mine? If they're mine, how could they have them? <laughs> or they're not mine. This was a big leap when I realized... Hey, at least the first step was, I didn't realize they weren't my thoughts, but I realized they were alcoholic thoughts. Yeah? They were alcoholic thoughts, because a lot of people I was listening to were saying the same thing I say, feeling the same thing I feel, and did things that I used to do the same thing. They did the same thing. So, that was the conclusion. In my mind, all it needed was that one little idea, and then it just waited for an invitation, like a meeting like this, and then it expanded that idea that none of these thoughts are mine. I'm not the thinker of them, yeah? I'm not, and they're not about me. 
They're about a me, but not me. Yeah? They're about a you, but they're not about you. All they can do is be about a you, and then the mind does the rest. It drops the a, and now it's you. Yeah? And then that you turns into a very special me that separates you <laughs> from all the other yous. <laughs> Even though everyone's looking at you like a you, you don't get it. You think it's me. <laughs> Once that's established, it just rips. It just rips. That's all it does. Once it's like John Coltrane... You give it, you know, you give it a top, he says, hey, John, riff on, you know, uh, separation. It, <laughs> it just riffs. The mind is like a super John Coltrane. But it's riffing in, you know, in thoughts and feelings and everything. And so, uh, <laughs> so if these weren't my thoughts and they're not about me, there was some freedom available. Yeah? Jeez, I don't need to be beholden to these thoughts because they're not mine. Just like... If I if some if a, if if there's thirty kids, where am I? Where's my interest? And I'm at a park. Where's my interest and attention go to? Probably the one that's mine. Yeah. So the same way, if I'm not the thinker of these thoughts, they're not my thoughts. I found that I lost interest in them. Yeah. I, my attention and interest got bored with it very very quickly and wanted to move away from the thought system. Yeah. As long as I thought they were mine, I was trying to make them better thoughts, you know, hiding them or whatever, trying to, you know, categorize them. These I can't share with anyone or whatever like this. But as soon as they weren't about me, I had a relief from them, yeah? So I found that the whole point with the selfing, it can't, it can only produce a feeling of being a self, but to do that it needs your attention and interest. And I found my attention, not mine, but we, you know, this is the language. I found the attention and interest was enslaved to that idea because the mind thought it was about itself. Yeah? That these thoughts were about it. It was very difficult to get freedom from the thought if I kept thinking they were about me. It was just very difficult. So once I started realizing, hey, they're not about me, I got relief. Yeah? So I had the, the same, same thought system was in place. But the thought system energy or source of energy was starting to move away, which is you. The interest and attention that you are capable of in this event called living here. Yeah? That interest and attention left that dead little horse and started to roam around. And the thing that we used to cause incredible obsession with this idea of being Paul, now is starting to enrich this idea of being Paul's life. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. And that's the whole enchilada, really. I entertain that idea, and the mind, once it entertains an idea, it's sometimes the idea doesn't just stay like that, it expands the idea. So once you see the principle in one event, your mind can expand it into all the events. Yeah? So once you see that this thought isn't about me, it can be put on to every thought isn't about me. Now, if you, if you try to deal with each thought on its own, without dealing with the feeling of being the thinker, you're going to be in an avalanche of thoughts. Yeah? So in a way, if you, try to, if you study two years about how to get out of the obsession with self, it could be seen as an obsession with self. Yeah? So you always fall into the trap that self can't get out of self. So the thinker can't get out of the thought system, because it's a fucking thought, the idea of being the thinker. Yeah? Sorry. It can't get out of the thought system because it's a product of the thought system. Yeah? So, if you believe that you, meaning as soon as I leave the thought system, my interest and attention will go with me, but if that I is a thought, the interest and attention is still in the thought system, that's going to be about that I getting out of the thought system. <laughs> so, self can't get out of self. You're like, a, you're in a mobile prison. Wherever you go, that's the prison. You set it up. Yeah? <laughs> and then there's people selling you escape plans in the prison, and people who are keeping you in the prison, and you have tons of stories about what's happening in your prison, but you're playing every role, really. Yeah? Not you. The mind is. So, okay. I'm not the thinker of these thoughts, so then I'm not the feeler of these feelings, either. Yeah? They're, see, the thing, some people say, well... 
I don't have any feelings. No, there's tons of feelings, but I'm not the feeler of them. It's different, yeah? This isn't about getting to a point of no thought. Good luck. <laughs> it's getting to the point there is no thinker. It's much different. The thoughts will keep happening, but their effect or influence on what you call your life will diminish greatly. Yeah? Because your interest and attention will leave it, and that same interest and attention is going to go somewhere. And then you'll find that out, where it's going to go. Yeah? You can never plot a course. When you believe where you think you know where you want to put your interest and attention, uh, that doesn't work, at least with me. It's when the interest and attention is freed, then what happens is I'm in sort of like an I don't know state, and then I find out what's happening. And finding out what's happening is much more convincing than knowing what's happening, because when I know what's happening, I don't fucking know what's happening. You know what I mean? I'm so totally framed by self-centeredness, I don't see what's going on, you know, because I'm looking. It's a form of looking. And that form of looking is, is, is an act of blindness to the seeing. So no matter how hard I try to get, let's say, gather knowledge about self, as a self, self that self-knowledge will avail me nothing. Yeah, because all the knowledge will be claimed by the one who's trying to gather the knowledge, and that one who's trying to gather the knowledge, there isn't one. <laughs> That's the only knowledge you need to know. I'm not that, and then find out what that means to you. Yeah, when you're that, there's thousands of things to find out about yourself, isn't there? You'll find out thousands of things over the years. <laughs> you know what I mean? You will. You'll find out so much stuff, but it's not gonna. It's gonna take you nowhere in a way. But when you find out you're not that, that's that. <laughs> All you need is one little bit of knowledge. Hey, I'm not that. And then what? <laughs> that puts you in a position to find out what it's like not to be that. Yeah. As an experience here. You will find out what it's like not to be that. And there's no improving not being that. <laughs> there's no improving it because... <laughs> you <laughs> it's just a one-step answer. I'm not that. It's not like, oh, now I'm going to improve that, which I am. We don't even know what I am. All I know is I'm not that. Yeah? I'm not that. I'm that leap. So here's the selfing. The selfing keeps pointing, inferring, oh, yes, you're that historical action figure. Paul, and this is an old pattern. I've seen this before in your life. And this is really crimping your style here. Oh, yeah, I agree, I agree. Who's agreeing is the product of that whole pointing, yeah? You've fallen for the bait, so to speak. Now you take to be the historical Paul. And it doesn't matter how great you do getting out of that problem, you're going to be in another one. That's what happens, Yeah. But this solution, in a way, is so beautiful. We talked about it the last few weeks where there's a uh, master in India, Ramana Maharshi, used to tell a story about, you know, you have a thorn in your shoe, in your foot, not in your shoe, it wouldn't matter because you could just take your shoe off. You know? If you had a thorn in your shoe, you could just take your shoe off and be no trouble. That's the whole point. That's actually what this message is like. You realize what you're calling your foot's a shoe and you just take it off. <laughs> but let's say here, you have a thorn in your foot, and it's bothering you, and you've denied it, rationalized it, but it's just dri- it's dr- you know driving you crazy because you're traveling quite a lot, and every time you take a step, it freaking hurts. So finally, okay, I'm going to look for another thorn, something to take this thing out. So I find another thorn walking around, and I t- go like this, and I take this thorn and I dig the other thorn out. Once I get that other thorn out, I don't replace it with the next thorn. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even if it's a smaller, more blunt thorn, it's still going to irritate me. So here's the solution. So here's the problem. You have a thorn. Something seems to be uh, causing you not to be able to travel light. It seems to be causing you not to be able to answer the bell when the day happens. Yeah, You always seem to be somewhere other than where you are, yet you can't be out anywhere other than where you are. But your mind seems to be running ahead and going behind all the time. Yeah, So that's like the thorn. So you get this other thorn. And all right, so this is the, hopefully this is the solution to the problem. I take the other thorn out, and then I throw both of them away. So, from the solution's point of view, there is no problem, actually. Yeah? 
So if there is, if from the solution's point of view, there is no problem, there's obviously no need for a solution. That's the solution. That's the whole solution. When there seems to be the real problem, the problem seems to be real, then you need a solution. So this invitation's like a solution. Hey, you're not that, okay? Dig it out, you pull that thing out, in a sense, you get some relief from it, then you realize, I swear, you'll realize, there was never any thought in your fucking foot. It was all an, a mirage, an, an, an appearance, uh, an, uh, a, like an illusion. All this went on. You just get it that nothing ever really happened. I was never not. I was never that, and I've always been that. You know, in a sense, it's just very clear. Bingo. So, in a sense, as soon as the solution becomes a solution, there's no need for a solution. That's a great solution. Yeah. Because you find that you are the solution. You only seem to be the problem. Yeah. That's the solution. Seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. That's the definition of the word. In recovery, it says it in our forward. Very important statement I love in the big book. It says, you know, we're a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So if it was true that it was a hopeless state of mind and body, then every one of those shots I did was a fucking good move. Because it's a hopeless state of mind and body, man. <laughs> I'm going to get high and forget it as much as I can. And just deal with the consequences and not deal with them when they happen. Yeah? Until it all ends. Yeah? But it says it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. In other words, it's not actually a hopeless state of mind and body. It appears to be true or false to you. So, the reality of that state is based on you, not on the state, yeah? Everything here is the same way. The reality is based on what meaning you're giving it. You're the real reality here, yeah? The reality of mind is what's dreaming here, in a way. So, whatever mind dreams, it can make it seem to be so. It's not so, but it can seem to be so. Because what's so is the dreaming of it. That's it. That's the mind is what's so. But it can appear millions of myriad manifestations and takes and opinions and views can appear. Yeah? But none of them have the reality because they're issuing forth from the reality. Yeah? The mind, the, the reality is dreaming and then it's forgotten it's the dreaming and it takes what it's dreaming to be real. And how it does that is it takes this to be real. It says, I'm this, yeah? Or I'm in this, or I'm a soul, or something. Some kind of inherent, separate entity, yeah? Once it takes itself to be that, this place seems as real as real can be. It's not real, but it seems as real as real can be. Yeah? We're not trying to change this, we're just trying to change that. Not even change it, just question, yeah? If it's seemingly real, then it can seemingly not be real quite easily, Let's <laughs> just just allow the mind or introduce an, an idea to the mind and let it entertain it and see how it works out. Yeah, find out, find out. When, if you can, if if you just got like a ten minute snippet of a day without taking those thoughts to be yours, you would have a sense of relief. Yeah, and that mind would recognize that relief. Yeah, and it may just be triggered into going. Yeah, I like that relief. Yeah? And then you would recognize more snippets of thoughts that's not yours. And then you would see sort of like the whole beast of selfing from head to tail. You'd see it. You'd see how you're, how you're constantly constructed and reinforced this idea of being you. And which is totally forgotten in deep sleep. Because the mind's not doing its little trick then. So you're, yet you wake up the next day and you seem to be alive. Yeah, But you're totally out to lunch in a sense, but actually you're in heaven in a way, I imagine, really, in deep sleep, because the whole activity of the mental process of selfing is not happening. Yeah, It's chilled out. The mind is just resting in its own nature. And then, bam, oh, it starts projecting another movie the next morning, Yeah, with you as the star, like it seems to go. Yeah. Now, if it's working for you, far out. You know? But for me, it got a little bit too claustrophobic. 
sort of like a marathon runner put in a closet, you know? It was like the same old, same old. Very small lap, you know? And the only thing, my mind would paint new scenery, but it was the same closet, running around, on and on and on. It was freaking boring as hell, exhausting. <coughs> so, I heard this idea. First, I came into recovery, and recovery, it was so amazing when I got that a, alcoholism was a disease. It changed everything. Because I thought it was a moral issue. I really thought I was bad. Yeah? I mean, unbelievably bad. And yet, when they described to me that, you know, you were powerless over this thing called alcoholism, and when you drank, basically all bets were off. You were apt to do almost anything unless someone could physically stop you. And I really got that. And I got that. I had a deep experience of it once when I got caught sort of with my pants down trying to impress my present girlfriend when uh, we went to my friend's house and this lady walked by as we were going up the stairs and she had paint on her jeans and my, the guy who we were staying with that night came, up, came down and then he came back up and says, hey, my, my neighbor would like to talk with you. Like he told her that I was a house painter and I was going to give her some professional advice how to paint the apartment. And she walked in and she says, hello, Paul. And, she, and I go, what? And she says, don't you remember me? I go, no. She says, you owe me $500. <laughs> I had ripped her off in Santa Cruz when I said she had to put a deposit when she moved into this apartment. <laughs> <laughs> which I had never put a deposit on <laughs> and, uh, but she had she looked, looked different she had lost weight and, and I tell you I had no sense of guilt or shame arise because I had understood that it was a disease no guilt and shame arose the guilt and shame needs a certain petri dish to arise out of when the petri dish was removed there was no arising of the guilt and shame I stood right there and I told her hey I would have done it to anybody, you know, what I did. You know? And every time I sent her a check with the money, I said, I wrote on the bottom, the only reason why you're seeing this money is that I'm in AA. <laughs> but I had no, it, none of that came up. And yet, before, thinking that I was a doer and running around here, all day that guilt and shame came up. Everything referred to me as being the doer and all the bad things I had done. So I was constantly, the mind was constantly conjuring up weights and weight upon weight of guilt and shame all day. Who wouldn't want to try to get obliviated from that? Who wouldn't want to be unconscious? Or so high that you try to snap it and get out of it that way. So all these things going on here, there are causes and conditions. But there is a prior condition that's not caused. Yeah? You want to call it the seeing of things or the awareness whatever, but there is a contextual aspect to this experience here, yeah, that isn't caused by anything we experience, nor is it caused by causes and conditions, yeah, it outshines causes and conditions, so here's the content, and for most of us, we're living as a part of the content all day, yeah, we've forgotten that we're contextual, like Jesus says, you know, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, so when we're, we're suffering the slings and arrows of this world, we must be taking ourselves to be a target for those slings and arrows to hit. Yeah? And even no matter how much you try to move the target, you're still going to get hit by different levels of slings and arrows. Lots of money, there's rich people suffering. Poor people suffering. The rich people suffering is even different than the poor people because the poor people think if they had money they wouldn't be suffering. The rich people have money and they realize they're still suffering. <laughs> so you're, you're always going to be this like a uh, target. Yeah? But if I'm not this, if I'm not this, and, and finding out all that entails in your life, you will have a relief from this bondage of self. Yeah? And for me, it just translates into a, uh, a stabilized travel lighter. In other words, there's all this different geography in one's life that you're going to have to go over, yeah? Like maybe you get a job, lose a job, marry, maybe a kid dies, all this stuff can happen. Yeah? All I'm saying is we're not, gonna, we're not getting a, a, like a spiritual bulldozer that's going to change all the geography and the terrain. We're just going to be able to travel lighter over it. So whatever comes our way, we'll be able to travel light over it. And what an incredible gift 
to be able to travel either here. Because in a sense, we're all destined to travel in this thing of time and space with this little vehicle. Yeah, There is a certain allegiance to or a certain connection with this event. And so, for me, the big greatest gift I've ever gotten is the ability to travel later through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and just on and on and on and on and on. No matter what all that brings, yeah? It doesn't say, it doesn't say anything. You just find out, yeah? And then, like Jesus also said, you'll know the tree by its fruits. You'll realize, hey, man, I fell onto something because look at what's happened over the last seven years, Yeah? This thing has traveled a lot, a lot lighter. Yet the system, the thought system, is just as vicious as it once was. I swear, it's vicious, but it's sort of been defanged, yeah. Because it's your interest and attention that gives it its bite. You're the one that makes it like a pit bullish little mouth, yeah. Your attention. If your attention and interest is free from it, it's just like a vindictive, powerless little motherfucker, basically. <laughs> it doesn't have as much sway over you, yeah. Yeah, sure. So this whole idea, all right, you, there's no pe- there's no person here, but you feel like one. You feel like you decided to come here, right? You feel like this, you feel like that. We're questioning, all right, now, does the, just because you feel that way, does it mean it's so? Maybe it's not. Maybe you can question it. And maybe if you get an example that it may not be so, the mind entertaining it will expand that and see the principle is nothing that is that appears that is so. Yeah, nothing that 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 is thought has a thinker involved in it. Nothing that has ever been felt has a feeler involved in it. Yeah, and then see what it does. You know, travel. If you travel later, then come back and have it. Re- you know, I like repetition here because repetition tends to get us in a lot of trouble. You know, people would say, You're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser, your mother or something. My mother used to say this thing to me You're never going to be as good looking as your brother. Mm-hmm. You know, said it to me thousands of times, thousands of times. My, my other relatives would always mention it to me. Mom was a real asshole to you. Oh, you're never going to be as good as your brother. You know what I mean? And so that repetition worked. It produced a frame in self-centeredness that everything was sort of, instead of trying to fit the frame around everything, everything was fitted in the frame. Yeah, That's what self-centeredness is like. Everything gets fitted in the frame. Yeah, When you're finding out things, you fit yourself around things. That's how you learn about them. You don't try to fit them around you. Yeah, You don't learn a damn thing that way. But when you fit yourself around something, then you learn, yeah? So in finding out, it's a really uh, strong form of knowledge in my experience. It can have the ability to convince you on a deep, deep level, like an unspoken yes, yeah? And that unspoken yes will reverberate, and it's truly reliable, because what you're relying on has never came and never went, yeah? You're now not relying on the content and the the dualistic movement of the tides of this place, like feeling good and then feeling bad and this and that. Your mind is now resting in the con- the context, which is a prior non-condition that's always is and always available at all times, with no requirement necessary. Not like things in the content. There's tons of requirements to meet things and people in the content. Yes. You got to make appointments. You got to go on Match.com to meet a babe on you know the context. But this context, there's no need to do anything in a sense because you are that context. So to me, this is an invitation. I don't want to start proclaiming I am that context as the content. Yeah, I use the possibility on the context to question the content. Am I the content? Because if I am the context, all i got to look at is what I'm not, that I'm taking myself to be. As soon as that's cleared up, I'll be the context. There'll be a real sense of it, yeah? It won't be like another idea, oh, I'm not this, but maybe I'm that. No, realizing you're not this is that, yeah? Realizing, hey, thank you. Realizing you're not this is that, yeah? Is that the context is when you realize you're not this? When you t- when you stop taking yourself to be this, that's that. Yeah. So throw it in there. That's what I did. I just I heard this message about my eleventh year of sobriety, 
And I just entertained it. You know? I read some books, and then I had some, I got a bug up my butt, I went to India, saw this guy who I read books about, you know, he'd written it, I liked his way of presenting it, checked him out, and I, actually, he, he was pretty stale to me, you know? So I went to other people, I heard some stuff, and I really liked this one lady, and my mind was just entertaining it, you know? And then I found out, things happened, you know? And then the calibration shifted, and then like stabilized in a shift, where it never went back. It was sort of like an experiences I would have would be some my whole it's like this whole room would drop like ten feet. Nothing changed in the room, but the whole room dropped. And after a period of time, I realized I'm traveling a lot lighter than I ever was. And then boom, it dropped more. And then but everything looked the same, you know, same things people made in my life. But the difference was. No one would notice it, but it was monumental in these in the travel here. Yeah, you can't see it. You can't look, put a signpost on it. You can't have it. Yeah, say, hey, Sonny, thank you very much. See, kids, yes, yes. she's gotten so tall. Yes, she used to have a practice of vow of silence. Every meeting she came to, the little girl never said a word. She just sat there. That was incredible. So, where was I? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing, you know, so people have a lot of experiences of going back in and out, in and out. But usually, that's that's the sense of selfing, yeah, the feeling of going in and out. That can be presented, but you still never left the context. You haven't moved ever, yeah, in a way. Yeah. The mind moves. The mind goes this way and that. It follows the ball, the mental ball, yeah? And it says, oh, I'm here. Oh, I was connected. Oh, I'm disconnected, yeah? It's always trying to find a sense of being somewhere in this constant, like, it's like a little bobbing ball on this ocean of activity. And the ocean is dictated by tides. And so when it's over here, it makes up a story why it's over here, and then the tide moves, it's over there. And it's constantly trying to find, you know, tons of stories about why things are the way they are, when it has no idea of what's moving it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the mind takes you, takes you to be this little thing. And yet, the seeing of it is an aspect of mind that's not that thing, Yeah? And, that's, and the seeing hasn't shifted. The seeing doesn't move with the tide, because the seeing or the awareness is the context, yeah? So if you have a, yeah, the context, that's not moving. It's seeing everything that's moving, and a lot of stuff it doesn't see, consciously up here, but it's still seeing. All there is is that awareness. So there's this awareness, and then there's all this mental movement. And our mind tends to flitter with the movement because it thinks it's about it, yeah? So I'm the one that's over here. I'm the one who felt this love at that retreat. Now I'm feeling terrible and back at work and all like this, yeah? But all the while, every bit of that information is brought to you by awareness, yeah? If you weren't, if there wasn't awareness of the thoughts, how could the thoughts carry any meaning? Yeah. How could the mind, the mental process, inject the thought with a meaning and then have it open up like a piñata when there's the seeing of it? The seeing is what's allowing all of this to occur. Yeah. <coughs> but what's occurring can't affect the seeing. It's like a sky. Yeah. The sky, a lot of things appear in it, right? Like clouds. And a lot of clouds have different things, some rain, some hail, stuff like that goes on. But the sky never gets wet, does it? You know, when a bird takes a shit, it never lands on the sky, does it? It always lands on your car or something. Yeah. So the sky is allowing all this stuff to occur. It's not allowing it. It is, actually is allowing it. All this to occur, but nothing that's occurring is affecting it at all. That's an aspect that would probably be valuable while you're traveling here. If that aspect of mind had a little influence in your life, you may be able to travel a lot later here. Yeah. You, you maybe realize that it isn't in the getting, but it's in, let's say, the giving. That you never get a realization. There's always a constant getting of the realization. Yeah? It's a living realization. It's not a stagnant thing like, I got it. <laughs> like 20 years ago, I got it. <laughs> Here it is. I got it. Put it on my spiritual mail. I got it. No. There's getting. 
It's an action. It's just a constant seeing, a constant awareness. Yeah, it's always you can't. It's not. There's never a time when the the uh, the presentation isn't available, so you can never have it as a present. Yeah, because it's constantly being given. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's available. I find it's really helpful to uh, enrich your own life. So you don't have to destroy other people's lives, you know, <laughs> blaming them for your hardships and stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some might like to, but uh, <laughs> so yeah. Yes. So, any questions tonight? It's a long enough time. Forty minutes. How long did you travel to get here? Less than 40 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like 20 minutes. All right, well, then you got two meetings. Then. I'll give you 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. You have any questions, Bob? No? All right. <laughs> if there's no... If there's no self, right? If, if I'm trying to eliminate this the subject and the object and, and eliminate the... The thinker. Then how about the doer? You know? How can I do act how can I still be in action and think about the actions that I'm having if I'm not doing the actions? Why don't you find out? Just entertain the possibility you're not the doer and you'll see the doing still happens, yeah. That the doing doesn't need a doer. <laughs> the doer needs a doing. That's it, because it relies on the doing and the interpretation of the mental process that the doing says there's a doer. But, the, you know, the doing doesn't need a doer, though. But the doer needs a doing. Yeah? So doing happens, and the mental process claims that and says, I'm the one who's doing it. Yeah, that's the story. But the doing happens. Yeah? So you'll find that you're doing quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no doer there. Yeah? People think, well, if there's no doer, there won't be any doing. There was never a doer, and there's been tons of doing. <laughs> Just like there's feeling, hearing, tasting, touching, but there's no hearer, feeler, taster, or toucher. <laughs> but there's tons of touching, hearing, feeling, tasting. Yeah? That's one of the first things everyone gets caught up on. Well, if I'm not the doer, then I won't go. I'll just leave my house and lay on my couch all day. But that's doing too. You can't escape doing here. We're action figures. <laughs> that's the programming. You can't escape doing. But the idea of being a doer is a big leap. Yeah. Do you believe the cat believes it's the doer of the actions that are happening through it? Do you ever see a cat? I don't see cats get embarrassed much. Dogs do because they take too much of our qualities on. So you see a dog taking a shit on the street, they're looking embarrassed, looking around. You see me, cats, you know, nothing, no problem. Yeah, because they don't, they're not engaged with us so much. They don't take on the qualities of the master. Yeah, you see them embarrassed much? You think they have guilt over something they did? Oh, I'm sorry, I scratched you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You need a doer for that. You need the feeling of being the one who did it, to have such a belief in the opinions you shouldn't have done it. Everything here is based on something else. There's tons of branches. Guilt and shame and pride is based and vanity and all that is based on being the doer. Yeah. We're not trying to knock the shit off the branches because the branch is what produces the shit. The shit grows out of the branch. If the shit isn't landing on the branch, the branch is what's causing the shit to appear. So the sense of doership is what's allowed, it's like a Petri dish, the mind thinking it's the doer, is a Petri dish to grow guilt and shame and pride and all this stuff. And that's what it does. And these things find manifestation here in, the, in this place through us. Yeah? So the mind is like a Petri dish. So we're just going to question, well, what's the, like in a, when I, with alcoholism, how I saw alcoholism after a while was that alcoholism is an obsession with self. It's identification as self. Yeah? 
That obsession with self is what a mind that's identified as self does to reinforce the identification. It makes total sense. This is how I saw it. Yeah. Now, the, so the real, the root of the problem is an obsession. Yeah. The root of it is identification as. So if you're not that which you're identified as, you won't be so concerned about the obsessions about it. Yeah. But when the identification is in place, the obsessions just reinforce. They're like the glue. That reinforces the, the idea of being a self. Yeah? The idea of being a self can't withstand timelessness. It just can't. So the mind, in time, reapplies the glue through the thought system, yeah? and all the interpretations of every feeling, everything that becomes contacted through consciousness gets claimed and has something to do with the you. Yeah? So in that claiming, everything, feelings, ideas, thoughts, Da, 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 are used to glue the mind to the idea of being the one who's having those feelings and the one who the thoughts are about. Yes, That's the root of the problem. That, to me, is the first addiction here, is the addiction of the mind identified as a self. Yeah? That addiction can never fulfill its mission, which is to be a self. It cannot happen. Because you're, you're of another nature. You're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You're not. You know, this is, you find out, but in my sense of it, you're not. So, that desire of mind to be a self can't come, cannot be fulfilled. What happens when a desire goes unfulfilled? It usually provokes other desires to get some relief from the first desire not being fulfilled, yeah? And the one, that, the next desires will be based on the same ignorance as the first desire. So you'll go, you'll be going to a system of thought called self-centeredness for, uh, a solution to the problem that's self-centeredness. <laughs> and it's going to give you, hey, yeah, let's just get loaded. All right? So when I get loaded, I get a little relief from the bondage of self. Yeah? But it's another form of being bonded to self because the identification is in place. People say, oh yeah, I'm obsessed with myself, but they think that self is them. Yeah? That's the real obsession with self, called identification as self. If that's not seen, there's not going to be a long-lasting relief. It can't happen, because that, that cause will keep, be, keep producing its effects. If the cause is a, 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 an un, unfulfilled desire, which is irritable, restless, and discontent, it's going to keep producing effects of irritability, restlessness, and discontent, and it's never going to be fulfilled. You're not going to become who you think you are. It's impossible. You're something other than that. You're a spirit or awareness. So that desire is never going to be fulfilled. So, of course, if, that if that's causing discomfort, now you're going to seek to get relief from that discomfort. But you never get the you never get the real relief because you take yourself to be that. Yeah. There's forms, hundreds of forms of obsession with self. But all those forms are given life by the petri dish of identification as self. Hundreds of forms of fear, but they're all given their life by the petri dish of self. The idea of being a self. They all come from the one pot. Yeah. They're all manifestations. Like it says in recovery, being, co becoming, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Exactly. The identification as self is the, is the petri dish. The mind entertaining that as a self can manifest in tons of ways that are, that's going to reinforce the identification. Yeah, That's going to produce neuroses and obsessions and all like this. And it's going to keep on keeping on as long as the identification is in question. When the identification is questioned, you can get lasting relief because you cut it off at the root. Yeah. You're not that which your mind's obsessed over. Your interest and attention, when the interest and attention gets it, it leaves that dead horse and it starts going in other things. No thing. Yeah. And it starts resting in some place that's really reliable, in its own nature. Yeah? And that's, that becomes your fortification, that becomes your abidance in some truth. That becomes your anchor here. Yeah? Because the mind doesn't forget, no matter how much appearances are construed to mean that it's a you, there's still an aspect of your mind that's going, no, 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 uh-uh-uh. 
And there's a freedom from that bondage of self. It's available. As long as where the freedom's from is available, it's available. And that, that, that source of the freedom is always available at all times. So your freedom is always available at all times, with no requirement necessary. It's innate. It's an, it's an essential quality of the mind freed from the bondage of self. So instead of entertaining, you know, how are my shoes looking tonight, or, you know, is my hem too short, or this pimple I have on my face, you know, for eight hours, your mind's entertaining, like, infinite space, in a sense. It's walking around, seeing beauty. I mean, unbelievable. Some landscapes are so beautiful, they're, they just want to bring you to your knees, you know. You're just walking around, and your ability to see what the mind is in expression becomes more acute. You see some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things, you know, like the hills and Marin and the water. It's just mind-boggling, and it just—it just stops you when awe and wonder come over you. Yeah, it has nothing to do with you at all. There isn't a fucking you to be found there. It just comes around, happens, and then. But that same source is going to produce similar expressions in your life. Yeah? You can't tabulate them or, or total them up. No one's even going to notice that that's happening. But there's a sense, that's the traveling lighter. There's nothing you can even claim and make a story about. Oh, I've been traveling lighter for 30 years. It doesn't hold any water. You've just been traveling lighter. Yeah? Paul. Yeah. You know, um, kind of what you were, uh, you know, uh, when I was listening early on in early recovery, um, you were talking about um, going, down, going down a wave. You know, so like I was, I was riding my bike and I turned a corner. You know, and just the 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 force of doing it slowly. It's like I noticed that there was like what that was like being in that motion, and it's just recognizing that motion is what Paul's talking about. It's just it's it's like it's just recognizing what it's like when I'm when I'm in that moment, and then noticing it. It's my experience is like in responses also. And I notice that moment, and then I take an interest in that moment, and you know, there's inventories and all this shit that can help us with that. But when I take an interest, when I notice it for the first time, and I'm more interested in that moment than I am in my thinking, those moments keep growing. And, and um, we're never going to get rid of the thoughts. Like you said, that's not the point. But the but the the attention that the attention lessens to the to being in the thinking constantly, and I lose more and more um, interest in that, and I'm more interested in the present. Yeah. And that's and that's when the volume of all the years of the fucking you're a piece of shit or they're a piece of shit or whatever the fuck it is, it it diminishes. And that's what you're, that's what you're yes, exactly. Well, and it's like when you notice it, there's an honoring of it. Because there's the noticing of it. And that's honor. Yeah. yeah. But it was that simple. It's like, you know, yeah. like you said something about, like, you know, because you're in the ocean a lot. Right? Yeah. And, and there's just like that, that motion of, of, of being in the middle of force and there's nothing else taking your attention away. It's like just noticing whatever your trip is in life, the take the, your, your attention is like, in that moment, pay attention to that. Like just all you have to do is notice it. You don't have to pay attention to it. Yeah, you're saying about the first step, powerlessness, admitting your powerlessness, and uh, you're talking about alcoholism being a disease. And working the first step, it's like yeah, I am working the first. I'm working this first step, and my, and my life is unmanageable. Coming back to that, what you're talking about, instead of really admitting powerlessness that I have. I, I have no control over alcohol. I mean, really. Not Mike doesn't have any control over alcohol. There's nobody here that has control over alcohol. And I, I just can see a little bit more about really missing powerlessness. Like, I am not a doer kind of thing. And I can see some light in what you're saying, you know, that uh, getting lower on admitting powerlessness instead of just, you know, instead of me taking a story of powerlessness and saying, oh, I'm really powerless now. And it made it to a group, but it's like, no, you really don't have any power over alcohol. You're not the doer. And so, uh, is that? Yeah, that, but the, you got to be careful with that one yeah. a little bit because uh, 
what I found uh, <clears throat> a lot of times stuff like that smacks of a little passivity but there isn't passivity because in a way in, in, in uh, my experience with AA is when I was young things happened that overwhelmed my system yeah couldn't take so from that point on my mind's one of its jobs was to make those things that seem so real unreal. That's what it was doing, like emotions and feelings and love and stuff. Just too scary. So I, I was busily making things unreal. Yeah. And one of the main and so what happened is when I was making things unreal, they were as real as real could be, because you're the dreaming of this place. Yeah. So usually get the opposite effect occurs. So when I make something unreal, it becomes really real to me. And it was only to when I got an AA, and just like when you're in a bottom, there's no observer of you being in a bottom. The, the complete, you're not, there's no little escape hatch the mind can take. You're totally locked in, like, it's like the premature burial. You're buried underneath six feet of ground in a coffin. You're really at the end of it, you know? Yeah. So in a sense, I do the same. I did the same thing with AA. I admitted all the things that I didn't want to be, didn't want to have done, and I let them all come to roost. Yeah, and let them be as real as they want to be. Finally, yeah, I'm really enough freaking alcoholic. You know, I did all this stuff to my mother and everything like that. Let it be as real as real can be, and then they showed themselves to be unreal. So there's like a mental denial that doesn't work, and then there's in a sense a spiritual denial that does work. The spiritual denial is acceptance, yeah? You accept it all, and then by accepting it all and letting it be as real as it want to be, that all these things you're afraid of being, you, there's a hit that you're not that. Just like you get an alcoholic. When you, when you refuse to admit you're an alcoholic, you're acting like one all freaking day, yeah? <laughs> but when you finally go, hey, I'm a real alcoholic, it doesn't stop there. Now you're not, now you're not just an, uh, an alcoholic, at, at a point in the program, you'll realize, and I'm not that. Yeah? I am not that. Yeah, that's the freedom. But if you try to go there first, hey, I'm not that, that's a mental denial. That doesn't work. The other way is, is works a lot better. You accept everything, in a sense. All the worst things you've ever thought about yourself, you say, okay, let them be as real as they want to be. Yeah? Okay, let them finally land. All right, you got me. Yeah? I do my inventory, I tell the truth. I'm making my amends. And then, bamo, it went to fur to another point. And you know what? I'm not that. And then I got really free <coughs> from alcoholism. Yeah? Really free from it. Yeah? Now, I go to memes, I say I'm an alcoholic every day. Who gives a damn? It doesn't matter. It's just some, you know, something we do. It's like a ritual. But <coughs> that I don't care about. The thing is, I am not... Alcoholism, it's, in a sense, doesn't exist for me anymore. Yeah. Like it says in the, uh, around step 10, the problem doesn't exist for us anymore. That, to me, is a damn good solution. And that's exactly what the, the solution with everything is, is you realize the problem doesn't exist. It's so beautiful that Bill W. said it about alcoholism, that you get to a point where the problem doesn't exist for you because it never did exist for you. Yeah? In a sense. That's the good news. It appeared to be so. It never was truly so, because it can't be. Yeah? Yeah. So thoughts will get thought, <coughs> actions will get done, and it doesn't require me to be there. That's right. It just happens. You're an afterthought. So a thought happens, and another afterthought is I'm the thinker. Doing happens, there's an afterthought that I'm the doer. Yeah? The doing doesn't need the afterthought to be doing. Check it out. The feel, sense of being a doer, when you were a baby, you were doing tons of shit. You had no idea you were doing them, did you? There was no you to be doing them. I'm sure. Do you have any memories of when you were three months old? Probably not. This memory is a huge part of the trance setting situation. You remember yourself all day. That's what happens. Self is remembered because it doesn't truly exist. The only way it can appear to exist is to be remembered. That's what the mental process is doing all day. 
That's why everything is always being referred to the past. That's what resentment is. It's a re-feeling. Everything's a re-feeling. As soon as there is a feeling arises, it's made into a re-feeling. It's referred to an idea that I felt it once in the past somewhere. Yeah? So, <clears throat> the way I seem to be so, as a Paul, is I remember that I was once so, like yesterday, an hour ago, ten years ago, yeah? And then I think, and I worry about I will be so, what's going to happen to me in the future, and what's going to happen when I'm, you know, whatever, yeah? So it's, I was so, I will be so, therefore I am so. That's what it does, I'm telling you, I've seen it. The selfing remembers itself, yeah? It uses the future to remember itself, it's not just past. By worrying about you in the future, you're being remembered now. <clears throat> By thinking about you in the past, you're being re- remembered now. Because what isn't so must be remembered to appear to be so. Yeah? What we are doesn't need to be remembered because we are that. Awareness is now, it doesn't need to be remembered. You know, I, I was once aware, and I will be aware. It doesn't work because you're aware now. Yeah? Yeah? It doesn't need any evidence in the past, this myth- mythical past or future, because this evidence is your on, isn't it? The I am is I am right now. There's no more, you don't need any evidence. But what's not so needs a lot of evidence to appear to be so. <clears throat> and it does it by having a past that you were the star in and having a future that you will be the star in. Yeah. In moments when you're surfing or lovemaking or whatever, when you're really engaged, <clears throat> your attention is so here, you're not engaged in remembering Paul. So, there's no remembering Paul, and then you have relief from the bondage of self. Now, the Paul will show back up and claim to be the one who got the relief, but that's what it does. And then you see that, but you realize it had nothing to do with it. The Paul was absent because it wasn't being remembered when you're surfing. You don't have time to fucking remember it, yeah? You're busily engaged in something, or you know what I mean? So, those, those when they talk about it in sports, when you're in the zone, you're in the zone where... You're not, your attention and interest isn't in the activity of remembering Paul. You're so engaged with what's happened. Yeah. The unfortunate situation is, as soon as the engagement chills out a little, the remembering of Paul appears that I did it. I was the one who was surfing. Yeah. So it's, the main movement of selfing, if you watch it, is claiming. Yes? It claims everything that conscious contact brings into awareness, in a sense, yeah? This conscious contact of manifestation brings things into awareness. The mental process claims it. It says, I'm the one who's conscious. I'm the one who heard. I'm the one who did. I'm the one who sees. I'm the one who feels. I'm the one who tastes. I'm the one who thinks. Yep. (coughs) It claims it. So even when life shows that it had nothing to do with anything, it will arise up at some point and go, hey, I did it. And then you'll fall back into that illusion that, yeah, I did that. I was the one who was surfing. Yet, there was no I there surfing. (laughs) If there was an I there surfing, you'd fall off the fucking board. I swear to God. Is everyone, that's, see, look at the selfie. It doesn't give a shit about the surfing. It gives a shit that anyone see me catch the big wave. <laughs> That's what it cares about. It's not into what's happening now. It's what it, it's it's about itself, yeah? And it has to be remembered. So when you're really engaged in life, you're not remembering the self, and that's sort of your best time, isn't it? You feel the best when you're not remembering self. But we, the mind falls back into the habit to remember self because that even the selfie will claim its own absence and tell a great story about about it was there when the, when it wasn't there. What we're saying is <clears throat> take that example that it wasn't there when you were doing a certain event and let the mind expand on it. Hey, I don't believe it's ever been there. <laughs> tell you the truth, even in the draggy moments, there's never been a self that was being dragged down. Yeah, yeah. One little example, just entertain it. See if the mind expands around it. See, if I wasn't there once, maybe I've never been there. <laughs> if I could not be here one time, then maybe I was never here any time. Yeah? Isn't, for your story of being the continual Paul or, or Sum or whatever, here, if, if, if it's thrown for a loop by you're not being present in a certain period of time, yeah, that blows its whole story. Yeah, doesn't it? 
Its whole story is that it, you've always been you, no matter what's been happening. But a lot of times there's tons of free samples that you, that's not the case. Rest in one of those samples and the mind will expand on it. Hey, if I wasn't that, if I wasn't me then, then maybe I've never been me, period. <laughs> Don't you see? I mean, if something is basing its whole story on you being constantly the one that's been here, and it's been, you've had evidence that you weren't here, yeah? It's like a blackout. You want to, I have a great idea about a blackout. This isn't scientific, it's just something you might not share. Because <clears throat> I was a blackout drinker. I go into blackouts, I remember, and then <coughs> come back to a <coughs> awareness maybe 13 hours later or 15 hours later. <coughs> so, what happened though, and my friends, when I went into the blackout, were still seeing me as Paul, yeah? You know what I mean? I bought tickets, I maybe went out with my girlfriend. I drove cars. Yeah. Something was functioning here. But when I come to, I don't remember anything. So that the part of the, the selfing that arises at that moment of coming to, yeah, says it, it doesn't remember the last 15 hours, but something was representing me here. When people said Paul, I was saying yes. You know, I wasn't like went into a catatonic state. Yeah. People who know me intimately didn't see any... T- no, I was with you last night, but I, no, I can't remember. No, I was with you. You were fine, whatever. Yeah? What happened? Well, maybe the alcoholism, the, I mean, the alcohol got su- sufficient enough that it affected the part of the brain that's producing the sense of self, and that self being collapsed, and then the brain just put another self up there. Yeah? That also felt historical, that it was Paul. Yeah? That it was the only Paul there's ever been. And that, that Paul represented me for 15 hours. And actually, I did better with that Paul than the, my normal Paul. I didn't get arrested in blackouts and stuff like that. I was probably much more suave and ended up with prettier girls in blackouts. So this Paul represented me for 15 hours. Then the brain regrouped. And then the <coughs> one of its other like clone-like mental ideas of a Paul came up. And the other Paul went back down, and so the, the Paul that comes up again to cover its tracks can't admit that there was another Paul there. Because if there's two Pauls, there ain't a Paul. Yeah? <laughs> if there could be two Pauls, there can't be any Paul. You know what I mean? If the whole story of being you is that you're inherently separate, independent uh, unit, that there's only one of you, how, it can't brook the idea that there's been two of you. And yet I had evidence there was another Paul for 16 hours running around representing me. And everyone who, would, who knew me was falling for the representation. <clears throat> so when this old Paul grows up, he can't book that, so it has to say, oh, I have a blackout. You know, I can't remember what happened in the last 15 hours. You know what I mean? Because if it said, well, that was another Paul, therefore its whole story would be shot, wouldn't it? That's my idea of a blackout. <clears throat> Take it or leave it. But it makes sense to me. Because I talked, you know, I mean, sometimes I came to in the the middle of a sentence. That girl didn't see any change. She was looking at me the same way probably the second before this other Paul showed back up, you know? It's sort of like got back in the deceit of supreme, you know, sovereignty. And it was, you know, I'm Paul, yes, how are you doing? And I had no idea, it had no idea what was said like a second before. But another Paul had been there a second before, yeah? Or another Paul is being presented by the mind. Yeah. That's it? <clears throat> yes. Well, thank you. I'll pass the basket, so don't leave. <laughs>